You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation brought to you by Go Wild. Go Wild is the fastest growing app for hunters, fishermen, fisherwomen, outdoor enthusiasts of all kinds. Now, it's similar to Facebook and it's similar to Instagram, but one big thing. You're not going to get criticized for posting your harvest pictures or posting your love of guns. These are things that are common on Go Wild because it is dedicated to the outdoor community, the hunters, the fishers, the outdoor enthusiasts of all kinds. It's a place for us to come together as a community and really appreciate the outdoors, and I think you guys are really going to like this. So for more information, visit timetogowild.com or go to wherever you currently download your apps and check out Go Wild today. Welcome to the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast, brought to you by Exodus Trail Cameras, the number one podcast for bow hunting product information and hunting stories from across the nation. And now, here's your nine-fingered host, Dan Johnson. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast brought to you by Exodus Trail Cameras. Go to exodusoutdoorgear.com, enter the discount code Nine Fingers. That's the number nine, followed by the word fingers, and you will receive $20 off the purchase of your trail camera. Now, we have a kick ass podcast today, and I'm going to tell you why. It's because we have a harvest from this year, opening day, that uh, we're doing a big buck profile on. And uh, we're going to be talking with a, a guy named Scott Vader. Vader, I forget his last name anyway. He knows who, who he is. Scott slammed an absolute giant on opening day. I, no, not opening day, but a couple days after opening day. Whatever it was, this like it was like this past weekend, I think, and or two weekends ago. Anyway, I have absolutely no accurate information for you except that. The information in the upcoming podcast is going to be accurate, so there's that. All right, it's a it's a badass podcast about a big buck, um, and the story is a guy who identified this deer the year previous. They didn't get a crack at it. They put in a lot of work on the properties that they hunt, and lo and behold, they caught him on camera and they put the pieces of the puzzle together to find out where this buck was coming. There's obviously a lot more details, so stick around for the podcast because, again, it's badass. Now, before we get into today's podcast, I'm telling you, just like you've read, just like I've talked about, just like everybody else talks about, if you want to be successful, right, you have to be able to move to where the deer are at, and that means being mobile, right? I think we can all agree on that. Um, I'm a fan of running gun style hunting and I do it with a lone wolf tree stand um, you guys know I talk about that this all the time it is one of the best setups for mobile hunting right tear up set down move tear up set down move or te- set up I can't even talk today 
you set up, you tear down, you move. And you repeat that until you get in front of a, a deer that you're able to harvest. Uh, I'm a huge fan of running gun hunting, and I'm a huge fan of Lone Wolf. Now, go to Lone Wolf's website and enter the discount code 9FC50. And what's that going to get you? It's going to get you. It's going to get you. What is it going to get you? It's going to get you $50 off of all orders over $200. So roughly around 25% savings if, if your purchase is uh, $200. So it's $50 off all orders over $200. And that discount code is 9FC50. Take advantage of that while the getting is good because the season is here and the rut is coming up fast and I'm jacked for it. Hopefully you guys are jacked for it. Um, I'm checking my trail cameras now. I made a huge move. Uh, I moved, I'm a little late, but I moved everything, all my trail cameras off the mineral and the summer ranges to the pinch points, fence crossings, travel, travel corridors that has, have historically gotten me good trail camera pictures. And it's kind of, those areas are telling me what the deer are doing and I am ready to start the process of checking those trail cameras, trying to locate a big deer, and start making moves on them. Uh, that's my goal for this uh, upcoming year, and uh, that's how I do it. So I don't know about you guys, but I'm I'm freaking jacked for this upcoming season. I just want to get in the timber. I haven't got to do that yet because I have three kids, which is also another friendly reminder to everybody out there who's listening, and that is don't have three kids. If you want, if you want to hunt a lot, don't have three kids. Um, so there's that advice too. But I'm way off topic. Let's get into today's big buck profile with Scott Vodder. All right, on the phone with me right now, Mister Scott Vodder. How you doing, man? Pretty good. How about you, man? I can't complain. I think uh, you might be doing just a little bit better than me, and I'll kind of fill that in with you know social media you sit there and i'm just kind of scrolling i'm scrolling and scrolling and then every time i see a big buck i stop i look at it and it's a slob so i reach out to you and i say hey man you want to hop on the podcast and you replied hell yeah let's do it and here here we are yep so Basically, what I want to do is I want I I want to do like a big buck profile, and I want I want to dig into the story of this buck, where he was living, um, maybe some of the routes he was taking, when you first heard of him, and just kind of break it break it down. And um, but the first question I want to ask you is: Do you still have a smile on your face from the night that, or from the day you shot him? Yeah, no, it's uh, it's still you know beaming and whatnot you know it's kind of you know a surreal moment it's you know i never expected in my biggest dreams that i would ever shoot a deer of this caliber um and yeah you know friends and family you know are still calling and texting and whatnot and saying oh you know are you still pumped about it? yeah you know i'm right now i'm actually looking at the rack right now and you know it it brings back you know the hunt and everything and yeah no it's the smile is still there and i'm sure it's going to be there for quite a while absolutely absolutely so i think what i want to do is the the first question is i want to i want to ask what state do you live in wisconsin okay wisconsin now what 
when was opening day in Wisconsin? I think it was like September 15th or 18th. I'm not even, not even sure. Okay. Exactly. So, uh, and then when did you end up harvesting this buck? Uh, September 21st. Okay. So was that an evening hunt? Yeah. Yep. Okay. All right. So I want to, I want to go and take it all the way back to the very beginning and I want to ask you, when was the first encounter or the first, I guess, when did you first notice this buck? I would say, I want to say it was July of 2017. Okay. Um, we had picked up this, I mean, no, you know, no history with this deer at all. All of a sudden he just showed up um, on a, you know, on a field, one of our egg fields. Um, and we thought, oh, you know, he, I mean, he looked like a, a pretty solid deer, you know, we thought, okay, he's got a bigger body, you know, he's probably, you know, a three or four year old, you know, and we thought, okay, we'll put him on the hit list right away. Um, just for the fact that we try and shoot deer on our farm that are, you know, three years or older, Okay. you know, we figure we can try and give them some maturity, you know, and kind of express what they're going to have. And, but yeah, I'd say mid July was the first time that he, that he became, you know, got on our radar and we actually knew about him. Okay. And you're saying that last year you, th- you thought he was a three, maybe a four-year-old. Yeah. At, you know, at that time, those first set of pictures, you know, I mean, they weren't the best, you know, body wise, but we thought, okay, you know, he looked like a three or four-year-old deer. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, it's kind of deceiving in July, right? The antlers may not be fully grown yet. And the bucks, the bucks are looking real narrow because they're not in that, in that full rut. And and at the same time, their racks look huge because their bodies look thinner. Yeah, exactly. That's why, you know, and we don't, I mean, it's nice when you get history with them year after year and you can tell what deer is which, but I mean, like I said, I mean, we knew just from what he had so far going on and the what we saw of his body, we figured he was going to be at least put on our hit list for for that fall. Gotcha. So, so was is this a farm that you've hunted for several seasons, or was it just a, a new farm that you picked up? No, this was actually it used to be my grandparents' farm, um, and then my grandma actually sold part of the farm to my cousin and I. Okay. And so, I mean, I've been hunting, I mean, I've been hunting the farm since I was 12, but I mean, I've been, I was going out with my grandpa when he was hunting, you know, when I was two, three years old. So, I mean, basically I've hunted it my whole life. And I mean, I kind of know the, the ins and outs of where the majority of the time where the deer are going to go and this and that. Right. So. so, and on top of that, you have a good idea of the, the bucks that are consistent on your farm too. So when this buck did show up, it was kind of a surprise, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, when he, you know, as the season went on, but I mean, during summer, you know, we pegged him, you know, as a, a low to, you know, mid one forties class deer. And, you know, for us, you know, we normally have, I'd say one or two deer and that, you know, class, you know, that scoring class on yeah. our farm. So, I mean, he was, you know, he kind of fit, you know, the, the, the mold of what we normally grow for that area. So, Gotcha. So then what was he? Describe, describe his rack in 2017. Um, well, he actually, you know, what gave him the name, we ended up naming him twisted. Um, but his brow tine, the one kind of curled a little bit, almost like twisted a little bit. 
And my cousin, that's what, you know, he's like, oh, we should name this deer Twist. And I was like, okay, sure. You know, that name seems fine. But um, he was a, a five by four, I believe he was. Um, and on the, I believe it was his left side, he had two kickers off his G2. So almost kind of looked like a turkey foot. Yeah. Um, but I mean, just, you know, he had, you know, he had, it almost looked kind of like palmation going on a little bit. Yeah. And uh, I mean, I mean, he was just a cool cool looking deer you know and and that stuff and you know it, I mean, we were tickled to death that when you know when he showed up and that stuff so so then in, in 2017 as this as the year progressed right was he consistent on uh, your guys's trail cameras throughout mm-hmm. the entire uh, summer yeah i would say you know he was showing up all the time and i can't say all the time but i mean you could almost bad, you know, cause we try and let our camera soak for two weeks just so that way we don't, you know, booger up the areas too much. Um, I mean, he was on there, I'd say a two week poll. He was normally on there three or four different times. So, you know, and there's, you know, some daylight pictures mixed in there. And, um, so, I mean, we had a feeling, you know, potentially going into, you know, this 2017 season that we were going to maybe get a chance at him early season and okay. that. So he was, uh, he's, you're saying he was kind of like a nine pointer in 2017 that scored somewhere in that 140 class? Yeah, I'd say, you know, he was probably in the low 140s. Okay. All right. So let's talk about the terrain on this farm. Okay. Why, you know, why was this buck on this farm? Uh, why do you think he showed up? I mean, some of this is just kind of speculation, but why do you think he was on your farm? Maybe talk a little bit about the terrain features that made this buck stick around. Yeah. Um, I was, you know, I mean, we, it was probably about mm, 20 years ago. My grandpa actually logged this huge side hill that wraps around basically, you know, of that section where he was at wraps around basically the whole side of where all the egg is up top and uh so i mean you're talking 20 years from now it's we you know it's thicker than thick i mean we we don't even go in there during hunting season we don't even go in there during summer basically we go in there in spring potentially sometimes so it's just super thick nasty um bedding and then our main what we call the big woods we actually had logged um i believe in 2016 we did a a clear cut of about eight acres and then we had you know select cut up some other stuff and so then you know going into the 2017 season um i mean that just blew up with native brows i mean we're talking everything was four five six foot high i mean you couldn't walk anywhere you know and see very far in front of you and i think you know he gravitated towards those areas just because it was security i mean he no one there's no hunting pressure in there there was no, you know, human pressure, obviously, and he probably seeked it out as okay. This is a safe spot for me to be at. Gotcha, gotcha. So, was that kind of the consensus for the entire herd? I mean, is that logging and that terrain is where the deer spent most of their time, and then they would come out from there to feed in the ag fields? Yeah, I would say you know we got you know there's egg below the side hill and. Then up on top there's egg too and we the farmer that rents it out from us you know plants corn and um alfalfa and so yeah most of the time you know that's where we were getting pictures of them during the summer was in the alfalfa um 
we also, when they logged our wood, they, where they had done the, uh, the landing zone, my cousin actually put in like a little quarter acre clover plot that came in. I mean, just phenomenal. I mean, I was blown away of how well that came in, but I mean, there were a ton of deer also using that little, um, little plot. And, you know, that was also another spot, you know, we were getting pictures of them during summer also on that little plot. And we thought, okay, that could be potentially a spot, you know, we kind of had in the back of our minds that potentially that could be where, you know, early season we could get a crack at them. Right. All right. So as we all know, September hits and and maybe, Uh maybe it happened on your farm. Maybe it doesn't. I'm just talking from my, my experience that there's some, there's some kind of shift, right? Something happens and some deer stay, some deer go. Did this buck stick around after he was hard horn? Yeah. Well, he, he stuck around till about mid October. Okay. And, uh, we, our farm is kind of split in half by a, by a County road. And we were lucky that, you know, he was going, you know, he went to the other side of our property. That's where his fall range we figured was. So, but yeah, so for early season, he stuck around on the side where he was summering all year or all summer. Right. So was this particular buck in 2017 officially on the hit list? And how high on the hit list was he for you guys? Yeah, he was he was definitely on the hit list. He was actually number two on the list. Um, we actually had another four-year-old um, that was an 11-pointer that um, my cousin actually had history with. He had found both sheds the year prior. Um, that year was number one on the list, but this buck was closely, you know, number two, you know, and it was a toss up, you know, if you wanted to call them a number one or two, I mean, they were both at the very top of our list of trying to harvest. Right. So regardless of which one showed up, they were going to, you're going to try to get a shot at them. Yeah. Okay. If either one of them had walked in, they were going to, yeah, we were going to at least let an arrow fly and, and that. All right. So this buck in particular did you have any early season encounters with this buck before he crossed the road to go to the other side of the farm? I personally didn't. My cousin who, you know, owns the land with me actually did. Um, he actually had him at, I believe it was 30 yards, September 29th. And that was, you know, I kind of remember it cause it was a major cold front that came through. Um, I actually couldn't hunt that day because I was out of or, in a different city for a wedding with my wife. And so, you know, he was kind of giving me live updates, you know, while I was, you know, at this wedding and, um, he actually had him come in grunting at, I believe it was a doe and fawn on September 29th of all days. You know, he said that it reminded him just of the rut, you know, he comes in dogging this, this doe. And, um, he had said that the low that night was like 29 or 30. That so, you know, it was a big, big front that came through overnight and he had him at 30 yards and couldn't get him to, to stop. And so that was, you know, basically the first encounter with this deer that we had. Okay. So then after that was, I mean, so there was just that one encounter before the mid-October and he moved away onto the other piece of the farm, right? Correct. Yep. Okay. All right. So after he made that switched, did you catch him on trail camera on the other piece of the farm? So you knew, like you had, you had facts that said, Hey man, he's over here. Or was it just an assumption? No, we actually had photos of him. Um, and like I said, I mean, he, 
he quit showing up where he had summered, you know, where we had pictures of him all summer. We stopped getting pictures of him there. And then, you know, on the other side, all of a sudden we started getting pictures of him. We saw, you know, the first time, you know, like we said, it was mid, you know, mid-October. We thought, okay, maybe, you know, he's, he caught a whip of a hot dough or something and, you know, decided to cross over there. But when, you know, then it was day after day. I mean, there was, you know, stretches where he was on camera two, three, four days in a row. And, you know, we started then noticing, okay, you know, this is definitely where he's now hanging out with. Um, and we figured that he had done the, you know, his fall switch, that that was his fall home range. And he had just done it later than, than right. normal, you know, later than what we thought he was going to do. Gotcha. So how long did it take you guys before you made a move on him on that, uh, on the second piece of the farm? I would say, you know, it was, I mean, we kind of, we knew about him mid October and we thought, okay, you know, let's just wait till the rut. Um, it seems like generally the last couple days in October, I mean, October 28th to like the 31st, there's always a big, you know, a big group of, you know, it seems like every year in years past of running cameras that we've noticed that there must be one hot doe always in our area. And so we always get, you know, all the big bucks on camera. And so we thought, okay, you know, that's going to be when, you know, we're going to put some time in, um, try and see if we can at least get an eyeball on them and, you know, hopefully even get a shot at them. Right. So was he, you know, in that, in that mid to late part of October, when you were getting trail camera pictures of him, was it nocturnal? Was it during the day, closer to morning, closer to night? I mean, it was, we were getting, you know, there was a lot of night pictures, but I would say, you know, in the morning we were, we were getting a few daylight pictures and they weren't, you know, right at, um, sunrise, you know, they were, you know, an hour after daylight, you know, an hour and a half. And so that kind of was another thing. Okay. You know, this deer is, I don't want to say a day walker, but you know, he's moving in daylight more than you know, other deer, other big bucks that we've had on camera before. So we thought, you know, okay, you know, this is going to be another, we stand a better chance of killing this deer than some of the other deer we have on the farm. Right. Okay. So October comes and goes. Was there any other encounters with him from the tree stand or the ground blind or whatever? Uh, not, not that I can remember. No. Okay. What about November? November again, you know, my cousin, you know, I didn't, you know, it stayed, I didn't hunt that much last year. Cause we had, you know, we had just had a baby at the end of October. And so, you know, my wife, you know, I made the executive decision that I was going to try and help her out as much as I could. And, you know, I still went some, but, um, my cousin, he hit it, you know, really hard. And he, I want to say it was early November. He had him come in, um, some, came in from behind him no shot opportunity but again he was at that i think 30 35 yard range something like that um and so i mean he you know that was the second time that he had seen him and it's like okay you know this deer in, in a nutshell almost seems like he's got nine lives you know that this is the second time now that he's been within his bull range and he hasn't been able to get a shot off at him right so what happened i mean was it just was he in some thick stuff where there was no shooting lane or was he just like facing towards or facing away yeah no he uh he actually came in from behind him he was actually watching a different buck um shooter that was out in front of him and he was watching him and he heard some noise behind him 
And, you know, he turned to look and here came Twisted walking, you know, and it's a bunch of multiple rows, that kind of stuff. And just, you know, he basically came, walked right through, you know, paid no attention, you know, to him at all. He tried calling to him as he was walking away. I think it was, he said, and and nothing, you know, this deer didn't really blink an eye to him. So it's just chalk it up to, you know, okay, this deer seems to know where to, where to walk um, and that stuff. Right. Okay. So then one, one encounter in November and then every bow hunters, you know, and maybe you guys hunt uh rifle hunt. I don't personally, but every mm-hmm. time, every time I get a big deer, right. And then the gun season hits and yep. you have these, you have these thoughts like, man, I hope he goes and hides somewhere so he doesn't get <laughs> shot, you know, and he makes yeah. it through the gun season. So maybe I can hunt him late season or whatever. Did you guys actively hunt this buck in 2017 during the gun season as well? Yeah, yep, we both did. And my cousin, once again, you know, saw him opening morning of gun season. And, you know, once again, no shot opportunity and too much brush. And he came in with, I think it was two does. Really? Um, on a side hill. Yep, saw him, you know, and, you know, he's texting me. He's like, oh, my gosh, I just had twisted, you know, but no shot. I'm like, you know, what what can we do? to get this deer killed. I mean, it's like, this is the third time now that, you know, there's a no shot opportunity and, and I'm thinking, okay, you know, for us, normally we get one crack potentially, you know, opening morning is your best chance at killing one of these big deer for gun season. Cause our area just gets hammered with right. gun pressure, which I'm sure it's like that with, you know, with a bunch of people. And yep. so we figured, okay, if this deer, you know, it, I mean, this was, I think, two hours after daylight, you know, after the sun came up. So, I mean, we're talking this deer, you know, it's not like it's right at first light. No, he's fully out in broad daylight and, you know, all our neighbors are out hunting and I'm thinking there's no way this deer is going to survive. There's just, there's no way that he's going to be able to make it through. Okay. So then was he spending all the time on your guys's farm or was, do you, do you feel he was leaving your farm to go on other properties? No, I, I'm pretty certain that, I mean, he spent some time on our farm, but, um, that particular area where he was at his fall range was, we only have 62 acres there. And we were pretty certain that, um, the neighbor to the North and the neighbor to the West, there's a giant Valley that runs through theirs. And the one neighbor did a clear cut probably about 10 years ago. And it's thicker than thick, you know, it's, I mean, it's just perfect big buck habitat. Um, I figured that he was potentially living there. Um, and then also the neighbor to the North, they have, I think it's like a 240 acre farm and there's only one guy that hunted with his daughter and they, they don't really, you know, they don't really bow hunt it much and they don't put a ton of gun pressure on it. So I was almost in the back of my mind thinking, hoping and praying that he would go to the neighbor to the North because he stood the best chance of surviving if you went to that, that far. Right. I guess. Right. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense. Okay. Yeah. So gun season, there's one encounter. Any other encounters in 2017? No, nope. That was, that was it. Okay. So any hardcore guy, right? You're thinking now you're thinking, okay, Uh well we didn't get him. Were you confident that he was alive after the, uh, the hunting season was over. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, you know, before checking cameras, 
um, we, you know, my cousin lives right in the area and he kind of knows with, you know, talking to neighbors, you know, and, you know, with pictures, obviously getting sent out through text messages and that stuff that he figured he was probably going to have a pretty good idea if he survived or not. Right. Um, or if he had been taken, I guess, and he hadn't heard of anything. So that kind of gave us a little bit of hope that, Hey, this deer maybe potentially, you know, by the grace of God survived. Right. Okay. So after the hunting season was over, when was the next time that you, well, let me ask, did you find his sheds? No, no, no. we, we searched high and low. I mean, we even this, this farm to the north of us where we thought he was potentially living. We actually even got access to shed hunt that guy's farm and we still didn't find him. Gotcha. I mean, and, and we had, you know, pictures of him you know, all throughout winter, we knew that, you know, we didn't, we had told ourselves that we weren't going to go in looking for a shed until we knew that he at least had shed one side or both. Right. And, you know, he kept showing up, showing up with both sides. And I want to say it was like February 25th or 26th or something like that, that finally he dropped his, I think, left side. And so that's kind of was then the beginning um, of our like hardcore, like shed hunt, you know, shed hunt everything on ours and the neighbors that we, you know, got permission on and nothing. I mean, nothing. it was no, nothing. You know, I don't know where, you know, he, he dropped them. You know, there was another neighbor that, you know, had shed hunted too, and they didn't find anything. So if somebody did find them, they were keeping, you know, tight, tight lip about it, that they weren't going to say that they found them. Right. Okay. So, you you were you were watching him on trail camera throughout the entire year. It sounds like even after the season was over and you knew he he dropped one of his sides, you were getting trail camera pictures of him, right? Oh, yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. I mean, it was you know yeah every week you know he was on. I'd say at least once or twice, you know, a week. Gotcha. I mean, so we you know he it wasn't like he was you know making a big giant round. You know he was you know sticking closer to you know, our area. And he had helped that, you know, in winter, the majority of our neighbors don't do any food plots, don't put anything out like that. And we normally try and have anywhere from four to six acres um, of standing, you know, beans, corn, brassicas, that kind of stuff. Yeah. And so, you know, it kind of helps them that, you know, okay, you know, these deer, you know, once they make it through gun season and, you know, when it gets to the heart of winter, you know, I mean, they can be brutal in Wisconsin. Um, yeah. We know that, you know, they're going to have food to replenish their fat supply and that, you know, we're trying to give them the best chance to make it basically through winter and into spring in the best shape that they could possibly be in. Awesome. So then winter's, you know, winter's over. When was the... Like, did you guys pause your trail cameras at all throughout the winter or spring, or do you just keep running them the entire season? No, well, I mean, we had them out for a turkey season, but um, we took brought them in. I'd say from like the early part of May till like mid June, and then we normally don't try and put them out till like Fourth of July is kind of our magical time, you know, when we say, "Hey, let's get them back out," but for whatever reason this year, you know, we were a little bit antsy and said, you know, we got to see if this deer is going to show up again. And so then we got him out in, um, in mid June. All right. So, so mid June, 
it's always toughest for me anyway. You get those trail cameras out, and I've only checked my trail cameras one time since, man, I want to say the first week in August, right? Okay. So, so mm-hmm. I, I've got trail cameras out there that probably, I mean, they may even have dead batteries in them right now, right? Or, or, or <laughs> yeah. full SD cards or whatever. So yep. my question to you is, when did he show up or when did you recognize that he was back for the 2018 season? I'd say it was mid-June. It was, I'd almost say when we put the cameras out, it was like two or three days after we had put them out with um, he walked by again on this, this egg field up on top. Um, and we, we knew it was him. I mean, you see the big brows and then, you know, we started thinking, okay, you know, and then he added, it looked like he was going to have two like dagger points almost coming yeah. off from his, his left brow time, um, or his left face and whatnot. And we're like, okay, this deer, that's when, you know, the excitement started, you know, getting more and more it's like okay this deer okay, he's back you know at this point we figured he was five and a half years old um you know this deer could easily blow into something that we've never seen before on our in our area let alone on our farm right right so how hard was it for you guys to stay out of there and abide by your two two week rule uh this summer it was it was hard i mean there there was a couple times i'm not gonna lie where we you know, broke our, our rule and we went and checked them after a week. Yeah. Um, but for the most part, you know, we, we held on, you know, held true to our word that we wanted to check them every two weeks. And I mean, it was, it was, I don't want to say it was clockwork, but I mean, this deer started showing up. He was only basically on one side of, you know, this top of this egg field. Um, that's where the majority of these pictures were. And there was, I mean, I would say, you know, a third of the pictures were in daylight. I mean, an hour before sunset, you know, this and that. Okay, you know, you can take it with a grain of salt because it's the middle of summer. There's no pressure. But um, it definitely got us thinking, okay, you know, maybe, just maybe there's a chance to kill him again early season. Okay. So, so October, or excuse me, so June, July, August, now and he's and he's showing up consistent. So basically what you guys are doing is you were just waiting for the season to start to find yeah. out where he was at and waiting for the right wind so you could set up on him. Yeah. And I should actually bring this up that it's something that, you know, now that, you know, we killed him, you know, I thought more about it, but um at the end of July, um, Wisconsin, there was a, I mean, a major cold from the blue. I mean, the, we're talking highs were in the low sixties there for a couple of days. Um, and he got down into the upper forties for lows. This deer left his, his summer range and went across the road to the other side where he normally was for his fall range. Went over there for, we had him on camera for, I think two days. Then all of a sudden he was back in his summer range and you know, it kind of struck us as, okay, you know, why is, you know, and he's crossing a, a main road to get over there where he was always at during the fall. And the only thing we could think of was, was that it was a big cold front, you know, came through and it triggered something in him that, okay, maybe I need to go back to my fall range that, you know, so, I mean, that was kind of in the back of my mind. Okay. You know, and then all the pictures we had, you know, there were both days that he was over there. They were daylight active. So, that's crazy that 
Yeah, I. It's yeah. like a tri- like you said. It's a trigger that it, the temperature dropped low enough to where maybe something in his biology, you know, said, "Okay, fall's coming. I need to go to the other." Yeah, I need to get it over to the other yeah. side of the farm. Man, that's nuts. Yeah, and that's you know that it it struck it you know at first when okay you know we put it in kind of the you know the back burner of our brains that okay this something's correlating now that you know the, whenever there's a, a major cold front he seems to be moving daylight active and you know he's moving good. So right, right. okay, yeah, makes sense, man. Um, yeah. So. He comes back to the farm after that two day, uh, and then August comes, and you're still getting pictures of him, right? Yep, still getting pictures, and everything's um, consistent. The majority, yeah, the majority, you know, it it seems to be like almost clockwork, and um, I know my cousin, he actually was talking to some of his buddies, you know, because it got to be late August, and where the majority, you know, this spot where he was always at, it was you, we really couldn't hang a tree stand there. And, um, the way that it sets up is that it's kind of a funnel where you got two cornfields, there's a cornfield, like kind of along the woods, but there's just, you know, a wide enough gap that, you know, the farmers can, you know, get their machinery through and the steer would use it as a funnel. And then, you know, then they would lead out to this big hay field or alfalfa field. And so my cousin's buddy said, you know, if I were you, I'd just sit in the cornfield and, you know just sit a row or two rows in and then you're on the ground, you know, you're not in the tree saying, you know, you're not putting anything up that he could potentially see as danger, you know, and you could possibly kill him that way. And so our minds are thinking, okay, you know, this, this could actually work. If he stays on this pattern of coming out on this spot, you know, before dark, we may actually, you know, it might actually, it might sound crazy enough that it might work. Right. Okay. So you guys, you guys were already brainstorming uh, of what, what, what conditions you needed, you know, where he was currently coming out, all the way up until the season opener. Um, yeah. Did you once opener hit this year, which was the fifteenth, uh-huh. sixteenth, whatever, whatever date it was? Yeah. Did, did you go in after him like immediately, or did you have to wait for uh, a certain wind? No, we actually both didn't even hunt because it opening weekend brought I think 88 and 90 degree weather um, both Saturday and Sunday um, and the mosquitoes were just yeah. horrendous I mean we had we had flooding going on in middle of August in this area and so the mosquito population just like was times 100 what they normally are and uh, and this brings back to you know what this year did we, you know, we were checking cameras, you know, kind of, and then it started turning, you know, once he shed his velvet, we started checking him once a week, just seeing how it went. All of a sudden he disappeared off the cameras and, you know, we thought, okay, something's not right. Well, we went to the other side of the property and lo and behold, there he is on the other side where his fall range, where he would always be at during the fall. So this deer left you know his summer range basically a month and a half earlier than what we than what he did last year and we for the life of us don't know why he did it that early um but for whatever reason he did you know he and it wasn't just one night that he was up there he was up there you know there were a couple different nights we had pictures of him so you know 
it, yeah, it's it's hard to say why he switched so early, but he did. Okay. So the question now is, is this buck, you know, I, we, did, we didn't really talk about it from the summer, in the summer standpoint, but is this buck number one on the hit list this, was he number one on the hit list this year? Oh yeah, for okay. sure. He was, yeah, he was number one on the list. All right. So describe, I mean, I'm looking at a picture of him right now and he's absolutely gorgeous. So describe to the listeners what he is now. I mean, you're talking, he's a, a typical 10 five by five with, you know, seven, eight inch brow tines, um, kickers often both G twos. He's got a little bit of a drop tine on his left side. Um, he's got, you know, two big dagger points on his left brow and, you know, just mass. I mean, the most I've never seen, you know, just massive deer, um, palmation, almost like, on both sides where his G2s are. Yeah. Um, I mean, just the epitome of, you know, a complete giant, you know, deer. Right. You know, everyone, everyone dreams of, you know, when they look at their cameras, okay, this deer is on my camera. That's what you dream of. Right. Right. That palmation on the G2 on the left side is uh-huh. sick. And I'm, I'm telling yeah. you, you look at that buck head on, the brow tines look good, but you turn that, and the palmation uh-huh. of, of the brow tines you can see now. Oh my God, th- yep. this this deer has a ton of mass. Yeah, and you know, we we knew that he, you know, the mass was you know good. I mean, but we've seen it all, you know, so many times where a buck will go from summer, you know, shed his velvet, and then he'll lose mass. And right. so, in the back of our minds, we think, okay, he might lose a little mass, but we don't, you know, this deer looks like he's the real deal with mass. And then when you shed his velvet, then he didn't lose anything. It almost seemed like it grew more. Right. And I mean, so then we knew, okay, this deer is, yeah. When about did he shed his velvet? I want to say we had pictures of him, I think like September 1st or 2nd, and he still had velvet. And um, I think like September 6th or 7th, we, he was out of velvet. So I'm assuming somewhere in that forest, you know, fourth and fifth range, September fourth or fifth is probably when he when he shut out. Gotcha. Okay. All right. So he is I mean, so it's hot opening week, right? And you're like, yep. no, not gonna do it. Then now this week happens, right? So what 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 day did you shoot him on this this past Saturday? It was no Friday night I shot okay. him. Okay. So Friday night you shot him. All yep. right, so let's talk about that, all right? What what were the conditions that night that made you say, okay, I need to get into the tree to hunt him? Or, wait a second, let me, before I even uh, back up, did you hunt him any, any more? Uh, like, when was, was this the first time in, or did you or uh, your cousin uh, hunt before? This was, no, this was literally the first time either one of us had been on the, the farm for an actual hunt. Okay, so did you guys draw straws to see who went first? Or no, no? I mean, I you know he, I said I was going to hunt Friday night, and I actually took off work early so I could get out earlier. Um, and he was stuck at work; he had you know had some stuff going on, and so he said no. He's like, I'm going to hunt Saturday morning, and I was like, okay, you know that's that's fine, you know. And but yeah, so I mean, I think what you know why I picked Friday night to hunt was that. Um, Wednesday and Thursday, it had basically been raining 
on and off all day. And I mean, we're talking, I think it was like pushing in the low eighties on Thursday. I think the high for Thursday was like 81. If I remember. Yep. And by Friday, um, the high was, I think like 57, 58 and the low was supposed to be 40. Right. So, I mean, just this, this big, huge cold front blowing through, you know, and, and again, it goes back to, you know, knowing what this deer did with big cold fronts, he moved during daylight. And I said, you know, I'm like, if, you know, if we're going to see this deer, this could be a potential night, you know, to, to see him. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's as, as funny as it may sound, I was actually going out to try and shoot a doe. That was first and foremost, my mission was, you know, it was a doe mission. Um, I wanted to kill a doe just to get some meat for the freezer. Cause we were basically running out and the spot that I wanted to go to the wind didn't work for that area. I mean, this area, there was doe was basically out there every night. I thought it was going to be a gimme shot, you know, and the wind didn't work for that where our stand's at. And so, you know, rather than hunting a spot with a bad wind, I chose, you know, a different stand and, and that. So, 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 what was your backup plan? I mean, you what you said, okay, well, I'm going to go out and hunt does. The wind was bad in that stand. Yeah. But it had to be, um, it was good somewhere else. So why did you choose yeah. that stand? And did you know that by choosing that stand, that there was a chance you were going to have an encounter with this buck? Yeah. Um, I mean, I, it was a Northwest wind and, you know, it was a real strong wind all day, but it was supposed to die down towards the end of the night. Um, but that area, I mean, we, there's two really good spots for Northwest winds for like early season. They're both on, um, food plots for us. You know, one is, it's kind of like a kill plot, like a quarter acre. Um, and we put brassicas in it this year. And then the other stand is about, I don't know, maybe 75 yards away, 80 yards away. And that overlooked, um, like an acre and a half of beans and corn. Right. And my cousin kept saying, you know, you got to hunt the brassicas, you know, you got to hunt greens. And for whatever reason, I had this gut feeling to sit on the bean field. Why? I don't know. Um, I just thought, okay, you know, it's to me, it seemed like a pretty good spot. And, you know, so I elected to go to the, uh, the bean corn plot. Okay. So, and obviously that was a good idea, right? Because now you're <laughs> now, now you're in a tree stand, and little did you know a giant is about to walk out. Okay, so yeah. so you get up in the tree, you get situated. Now walk us through the rest of the night. So basically, I'd say it was right about. I got in the stand right around four thirty. Um, at five o'clock, I had a a little yearling buck walk. Um, basically right next to me um, on the trail going out into the beans. And I should add that my cousin and I, I think it was two years ago, these two plots, you know, they're only 75, 80 yards apart. We decided to take um, a tractor and a brush hog and basically mow like a funnel or a trail, you know, wide enough, you know, of a tractor, you know, or brush hog length of like six foot through the brush to connect these two plots. And, you know, we were thinking it was more so it would be better for the rut, you know, just that, you know, a buck could hop from food plot to food plot, checking does and this and that. And uh, 
so I the way that the the funnel is that the stand or the trail is literally like right below me on my right side where the stand's at. Um, and this buck, that's what he did. He came from behind me and walked the trail and walked onto the beans. Um, I'd say, well, I don't know. It was probably five thirty, five forty. I had another, you know, I had two does and a fawn come out. Um, and then it was probably, it wasn't until about seven o'clock at night. Um, I look behind me and in this brassica plot, I see these two little bucks sparring with each other. And I thought, okay, that's, and that's cool. And I'm watching them through the binos and also I see a third deer approaching and I can tell that this deer is a bigger body deer than these two. I'm thinking, Oh, it's probably just like a two year old or something. No, I see the right side of twisted and I, I about fell out of the stand. You know? <laughs> how much, at this point, how much daylight I'm, did you have left at this point? At that point, I probably had, a, you know, about 15 minutes of, of daylight left. Okay, you know, and, I, and how I far think, was he from you when you first saw him? And at this point, you know, he's probably 80, 85 yards away. Okay. And, you know, what sucks even worse is, you know, where he was standing in the Nebraska plot, he was about 25 yards in front of the stand that my cousin told me to pick. Okay. Told me to hunt. All right. So at this point, you know, I'm like, oh, my gosh. Like, you know, in one breath, I'm like, I'm just, humbled to even see a deer of this size but then in the next breath i'm like crap i should have listened to my cousin because i would have got a shot at him and as you know luck would have her you know the deer gods were with me the one little buck started walking my way taking the you know the funnel that we had made um and starts walking and you know he gets you know past me and goes out into you know he's on the edge of the bean field then and I grab my bow at that point and I hear a twig snap behind me. And I just kind of look over my right shoulder and tears twisted at, you know, spitting distance. I mean, we're talking, I literally look, could look down. I probably could have spit on him. That's how close he, you know, was to my stand. So what did he do? Did he loop all the way around and come up? Like just he take a big circle? Where he, no, basically where he was at, he just, basically went straight west okay um and you know he my wind was you know it wasn't blowing at him it was kind of you know he still he would have had to have gone um more to his right if he wanted to to get my wind but i mean he walked the trail i mean it reminded me of a picture perfect rut hunt where you know he he just walks in not a care in the world, no, not freaking out. You know, you think of a five-year-old deer, he's going right. to be sitting there looking around, scent checking everything, making sure of his surroundings. And this deer just waltzed in like there was nothing wrong. You know, he, I'm assuming he was relying on, you know, the first buck that, you know, came through. Okay, if there's any danger, he's going he's to sound the it. alarm and yeah, he'll catch it and then I'll be fine. So at this point, you know, he's, he's still walking and um, he gets to about, 15 yards or so and i'm like okay i need to i need to draw my bow well i got the first buck that was that went through he's kind of looking in my direction and i have the third buck he's now directly below me and i draw real slow and i got drawn without any of these three deer knowing that i was there um and he was quartering away and you know i did the best I could to hold steady. And, you know, I released 
an arrow at them. All right. So, like, is this the biggest deer you ever shot? Oh, yeah. Okay. You know, I had, back in 09, I had shot a 167. And I thought, I'm not going to beat that deer. That deer, you know, I considered it to be basically a buck of a lifetime. You know, he was big, and I thought, I'm not going to shoot anything bigger. Right. You know, this deer, I figured, was bigger than him. Okay. So, you drew back. I mean, what was going through your head at that time? Were, were you calm and collective, or were you, like, losing it? I, I, you know, I was, I'm not going to say I was losing it, but I, my heart rate was definitely, was definitely going. Right. And, you know, I was trying to keep calm and just, you know, say, Hey, you know, mental notes, don't look at the rack. You know what he, what he is basically just try and focus on the shot and, and that. Gotcha. So then as, you know, you draw back, you focus, you shoot. Did you instantly mm-hmm. know it was a, a good shot or where, where did you hit him at? I, you know, I wasn't for sure on the shot. Um, I, I was pretty certain that I had hit him just by, you know, cause when he shot or when I shot, he kind of jolted to the right. And, you know, when he ran off, I saw that his tail was tucked and I, you know, I've always heard that if they tuck their tails, that means they're, they're hit pretty hard. Um, and I watched him run about 50 yards and then he veered off into the brush, like in the woods. And you lost him. And, and I lost him. Yeah. Then I couldn't see him anymore. And I was listening because there's a fence, you know, an old cattle fence that runs, you know, along our property and the neighbors. I was listening, you know, to, to see if I could hear him jump that fence, and I never heard it. I never heard him go crashing through the woods. And, you know, it kind of struck me as, okay, well, why did he stop there? And did he just slowly walk away? You know, at this point, you know, my mind is going a million different places. You know, it's, I, like I've told people, my mind seemed like it was scrambled eggs. Like I just, everything was, you know, going a hundred miles an hour and, um, you know, the two other little bucks, they took off running and that stuff. And, you know, I try, you know, I kind of just sat there and I listened and I didn't hear, you know, any deer go crashing. I didn't hear them what I thought walking away, you know? So I'm like, okay. And I didn't see my arrow on the ground. So I'm thinking, okay, well, my arrow must still be inside of them then. Um, but yeah, so then, you know, I texted my cousin to say, Hey, you know, I just shot him. And so then he calls me and wants all the details. And I'm like, dude, I'm like, I, I, I don't like, I trying to remember, but I'm like, your mind is just not there when you shoot a deer like of that size. Right. Right. All right. So you, you call, is your cousin coming out to help you look for him? Or did you say, yeah, he was, no, he was, he was out to eat, um, and he said, you know, I, I can be there in like an hour. And, you know, at that point, I hadn't even gotten down on the stand yet. And I told him, I said, let me get down out of the stand, see if I can see some blood, and, you know, we'll go from there. Did you did you think it was arrow. a good hit, though? What Like, what was your gut shot? I mean, what was your gut feeling? I mean, did I, you... I thought that it was, you know, it was good. You okay. know, I part of me thought, okay, you know, I wasn't, you know, it's, you're always a little nervous and you don't the deer go down in sight or you know you don't know for certain that you can ring them but you know part of me you know i i thought that i you know i was steady on the shot and that and you know on that stuff and you know i just was praying and hoping that you know my shot was true right okay all right so you get down out of the tree you, you make a call you get down out of the tree did you find any blood yeah i found right where you saying i found you know a couple drops of blood and then i went 
a little bit further and found another, you know, little group of blood and that's as far as I went, you know, and I was just, you know, the flashlight on my phone I was shining on and I'm like, okay, you know, I, I marked it and uh, I said, I'm going to go back to the house, you know, back to my grandma's house and I'll wait for my cousin to get there and, you know, we can kind of formulate a game plan of what we wanted to do um, of how to track this deer. Right. Okay. So you go home. It sounds like everybody meets up. You you put a little plan together. You head back out to the farm. How many people are with you at this point? Uh, at that point, it's just my cousin and I. Okay. I mean, we kind of have a, a tight bond um, and whatnot. And so it was just him and I that, that ended up going on the trail. Okay. So you go back to where you, you found blood and did you immediately pick up the blood trail again? Yeah. So I, you know, I put my hat where the first drop of blood was. And at this point, you know, we brought better flashlights with us and, you know, I made the comment to him when I looked at that first blood, I'm like, gosh, I'm like, you know, this looks almost like foamy blood. And, you know, so you're thinking he's long. like, Oh, that's, that's, you know, what I, my, my first thought was, I'm like, I don't want to say it. Cause you know, I don't want to jinx myself, but, but you know, we started slowly going and, uh, you know, the blood trail started getting heavier. And then, you know, there are spots that you could definitely see there were bubbles or, you know, it would look like foamy, frothy blood. Okay. And I even made the comment, I'm like, gosh, I'm like, you know, this looks, reminds me of lung blood or, you know, something like that. And he's like, yeah, he's like, you know, it, it's looking, you know, pretty good. And I mean, we're going through the bean field and, you know, it's, you can, I am not say it's easy to follow, but I mean, it's, we were keeping up good with them and we had made it to like the edge of where I kind of saw him veer off. And, you know, I said, okay. I said, he started going, turning right, going towards the woods. And for what, you know, whatever reason I shown my light up and literally five yards away, there he lays dead. <laughs> and, you know, I lost it. I, I, I literally went like berserk crazy. Oh, and, you know, it. my cousin Kyle, he's like, yeah, he's like, I've seen some pretty good reactions from you with deer. And he's like, I've never seen you react that way to a deer before. And so you're, I mean, you're just, was, you're, you lost control. I mean, this, you just shot, you just, yeah. you know, you just shot the biggest buck of your life. Yep. Okay. We, we knew that, you know, that deer, you know, and it just, you know, after the, the pure, like just shock of, oh my gosh, we just killed this deer or I did, you know, it was, you know, I got to thinking about all the hard work, you know, everything that we've done to try and kill this deer and we got him killed the second, you know, weekend of bow season in Wisconsin. I mean, right. it just, that stuff doesn't happen for us in right. that. So, so you, you walk over to him and you put your hands on this buck for the very first time. Uh huh. What's running through your head at this point? I, I mean, I was just, I was shocked. You know, I was speechless. I, I was almost in tears because I was just, like I said, the amount of effort and work and, you know, the money, the time that is spent, you know, that we put into, you know, all the food plots, all the, the cameras, all the, you know, you know, this and that. And, you know, it, he was, you know, our number one deer, he was right there in front of our eyes and 
we had accomplished our goal. You know, our yeah. goal was to try and, you know, harvest them and, you know, we did it, you know, and, and like I've told him, you know, and he, you know, he, he said, you know, I didn't care who killed them as long as one of us got a, at least a chance at them. Yeah. And, you know, I've, I've told him, you know, plenty of times that that deer, you know, he deserved that deer more than I did just because he's done so much work for our farm there, you know, to get it going, you know, he's the one that does a lot of the mowing. Cause he, you know, he's got, he's right there and, you know, he keeps an eye on things and, you know, so it was like a team. So effort. it's almost, yeah, it, it was basically like a team effort, you know, it, it was, you know, yes, I'm the one that shot him. I got my tag on him, but I look at it as that both of us killed this deer, yeah. you know, without his knowledge, you know, I mean, he, he analyzes things three times more than I do when it comes to pictures, you know, this and that. And, you know, it, it was definitely a teamwork to kill this deer. And, you know, I, I probably will say, you know, that without him, I probably wouldn't have killed him. Right. Right. Yeah. It makes sense, man. So, so you're riding high uh, and, and how many, can you get another tag in Wisconsin or you just got to wait for gun season? No, I have to wait till gun season. So gun season. Well, I am. Yeah. I'm waiting. tagged out now for, yeah. <laughs> now you got a taxidermy yeah. bill, right? Yeah. Yep. That, you know. I do, but you know, worth every penny. I, I will gladly, yeah, I will gladly pay the money to have his, you know, legacy in a head mount, and, you know, be able to when he's done, you know, look at him every day and just, yeah, absolutely, about absolutely. It. Well, Scott, man, I really appreciate you uh, taking time out of your uh, out of your schedule to come and chat about uh, this buck. Uh, congratulations again, and let me say good luck this upcoming gun season and to and seasons beyond yeah well thank you you know thank you for you know having me and letting me uh, share my story and and whatnot and there you have it huge shout out to scott congrats on that giant man uh well deserved there huge shout out to all of you for taking time out of your day uh, to hop on this podcast and lend me your ear so to speak huge shout out to all the partners of this podcast exodus wasp lone wolf deer lab prime ripcord ozonics and hunter safety system guys if you haven't had the opportunity to go check out those companies man please do so uh, they support this podcast and i would love it if you would support those brands because they support this podcast again thank you um i think that's it check me out on social media right if this is your first time ever listening to the nine finger chronicles podcast thanks for tuning in uh check me out on social media right uh instagram and facebook not only for the nine finger chronicles but for the sportsman's nation as well go to itunes leave a review and lastly go to bustedrack.com and buy the nine finger nation t-shirt proceeds from that purchase are going to go to the quality deer management association so uh, you buy a t-shirt and you donate to the qdma all at the same time so there is that i tell you what the season is here right good luck to absolutely everybody and if you're going to be in a tree our friends at hunter safety systems are reminding us please wear your damn safety harness have a good day Thank you.